Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. My name is Pam and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to Lucara Diamond 2021 Q1 results conference call. All lines been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press the star then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. Thank you, Ms. Ira Thomas. You may begin your conference. Thank you very much, Pam. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Lucara's first quarter results call. Thank you for joining us. On the call from management today, we have Zara Bolt, our CFO, Dr. John Armstrong, our Vice President of Technical Services, and Aisha Hira, our Vice President of Corporate Development and Strategy. I will be making forward-looking statements, so I do encourage um, all of you to review our cautionary statement, uh, which is available uh, on our website. The big news for today, which was actually announced yesterday, uh, subsequent to our quarter end, was the receipt of credit approval for a senior secured project financing package for the Kuroi Underground Expansion Project. The refinancing of our $50 million working capital facility has now also been completed effective today. Securing credit commitments for the arrangement of this plus $200 million senior debt facilities uh, from five leading international financial institutions with significant mining and metals track records and experience in Africa is an important achievement for Lucara and a strong endorsement of our underground expansion plans. The Kuroi Diamond Mine remains one of the world's highest margins diamond mines, renowned for its recovery of large high-value diamonds. And in just over eight years of production, we have recovered four of the 10 largest diamonds in recorded history, including the largest diamond to come out of Botswana, the 1,758 carat Suelo, the historic 1,109-carat Lissetti Lorona, and the 813-carat Constellation, which sold for the highest price ever achieved for a rough diamond at over $60 million U.S. This debt package will supplement cash flows from continued operations of the open pit over the next five years, extending Kuroi's mine life out from 2025 until at least 2040. Needless to say, this has been a transformative development for the company, and I want to take a moment just to acknowledge the significant time and effort invested by the entire Lucara executive team to reach this important milestone. The Kuroi Underground Expansion Program continued to advance on plan during the quarter, and we also received formal documentation associated with a 25-year extension to the Kuroi Mining License out to 2046, another important step on the path towards full project sanction in the coming weeks. Moving on to our operations in the quarter, Lucara experienced a strong safe Q1 
quarter and recorded a 56% increase in revenue year on year, achieving an average price of $579 a carat. Our solid performance reflects a stronger business environment, Lucaria's continued focus on operational discipline and our innovative approach to sales. In respect of exceptional stones, in January, we announced the recoveries of two top white gem quality diamonds at 341 carats and 378 carats respectively from ore sourced from the MPKS unit within the South Lobe. Both stones were recovered unbroken. During the quarter, we were also pleased to have negotiated and concluded a 24-month extension of the diamond supply agreement with HB for all of our plus 10.8 carat diamonds, providing cash flow certainty for the highest value portion of our production on improved terms, delivering more cash up front with fees only payable upon final sale of the resulting polished diamonds. Sales on Clara also continued on a positive trajectory in response to increasing demand, doubling the value transacted through the platform during the period year over year, and we have observed strong price increases at each successive sale since the beginning of the year. Third-party onboarding efforts uh, remain a top priority, and they have continued throughout the quarter with the ex expectation of additional sales uh, continuing to ramp up in quarters uh, two and three. Um, and of course, you know, we continue uh, to uh, an important aspect uh, about uh, Lucara at this particular junction is the fact that we continue to maintain a strong balance sheet and access to liquidity. Uh, we ended the quarter with cash and cash equivalents of 27.9 million with net debt of 22 million. And as I already mentioned, importantly, we extended the credit facility, um, which will can extend until the earlier project financing or the completion or November 5th, 2021. On slide four, we've summarized our initial response and ongoing actions in respect of the pandemic. And even as we continue to operate at full capacity, our top priority does remain protecting the health and well-being of all of our employees, contractors, and our local communities. Strict operating protocols put in place more than a year ago now to help keep our employees safe continue to be effective with current positive COVID cases at the mine site tracking well below the national average. We also continue to work closely with the government of Botswana, um, who do continue to permit the temporary sale of diamonds outside of Botswana as a result of travel restrictions. The government has also been fully supportive of our efforts to sell our diamonds through HB and Clara in combination with traditional tenders. As with previous quarters, we'd like to once again highlight the importance of Kuroi's track record for delivering a consistent recovery of specials or diamonds greater than 10.8 carats in size, which account for 70% of our revenues. The lower right chart looks at the cumulative recovery of these diamonds beginning in 2013 and continues to demonstrate that the frequency of these diamond recoveries has increased over time as we've mined deeper and the mine plan has become more South Lobe focused. As mentioned in my opening remarks, the first quarter continued to deliver on exceptional diamonds with two diamonds recovered in excess of 300 carats 
and total specials recovered equated to 6.8% weight percentage of total recovered carrots. Perowi's large high-value diamonds, uh, as I said, have historically accounted for between around 60 to 70% of our annual revenues. And although our mine has remained fully operational throughout the pandemic, Yukara did make a deliberate decision not to tender any of these plus 10.8 carat diamonds after early March 2020 amidst the uncertainty caused by the global crisis and the significant weakness that was observed in the rough diamond market at that time. The polished diamond market performed much better through this period, and subsequently in July of 2020, we announced a groundbreaking partnership agreement with HB, entering into a definitive supply agreement for the remainder of the year for all of our diamonds greater than 10.8 carats in size. Based on encouraging initial results, that supply agreement has now been extended for another 24 months. And just as a reminder, under the supply agreement with HB, our large diamonds are being sold at prices based on the estimated polished outcome for each rough diamond, determined through state-of-the-art scanning and planning technology with a true up then paid on actual achieved polish sales in excess of the initial estimate polish price, less a fee, and the cost of manufacturing. The plus 10.8 carat diamonds of poorer quality, clavage low, rejection goods, are sold as rough parcels and do not enter the polishing pipeline at HB. Though we have experienced startup and COVID-related delays, sales have continued to ramp up and we are beginning to see the benefits of this arrangement which provides a transparent pricing mechanism on committed terms and is continuing to deliver regular cash flow at what we believe will be superior prices for this important segment of our production profile. In Q1, the company recorded revenue of $38 million from the HP sales agreements, including top-up values from shipments in 2020 and 2021, which can continue to be recognized. Lupara entered into a second strategic collaboration with Louis Vuitton, the world's leading luxury brand, and HP Antwerp in the latter half of last year for the planning and polishing of the exceptional 549 white gem diamonds um, referred to as Setunia, which means flower in Setswana, and that was recovered uh, from Karoe in February of 2020. Setunia is one of the highest quality exceptional diamonds ever recovered at the mine, and we believe this alliance is a unique opportunity to partner with industry-leading participants within the supply chains to both raise the profile of our operations in Botswana and to transform this rare and unique rough diamond into an extraordinary bespoke polished diamond collection, which will be catering exclusively to Louis Vuitton's global customer base. Under the terms of the agreement, Lacara will receive payment for diamonds created from the Setunia no later in December 2021. And similar to our existing supply agreement with HB, Lucara will receive payment based on final polished outcome, less a commission and the cost of polishing. Moving on to the underground, um, as I stated in my opening remarks, the Kuroi Underground Expansion Project, which has the potential to add more than $4 billion in additional revenues and extend our mine life out to 2040, remains a top priority for the company. Following receipt of credit approvals for a 
a senior secure debt facility earlier this week, planned activities will continue to ramp up. And with the completion of the financing, we are on track to spend $105 million on the project in 2021. Activities will include early site works, detailed engineering, and the commencement of shaft sinking activities. After a strong recovery in late 2020, the diamond market continued to be buoyant throughout the first quarter. The pandemic continues to introduce uncertainty, however, particularly in respect of key manufacturing centers like India, which unfortunately are feeling the full brunt of the third COVID wave. Lucara's committed supply agreement with HB together with sales, the sales flexibility provided from Clara helped to mitigate Lucara's exposure to these latest COVID threats, but we continue to monitor the situation closely and we're obviously very hopeful that the continued vaccine rollout around the world will uh, continue to drive positive uh, effects in the short term. Longer term, we remain highly optimistic about the diamond market as the fundamentals of our business continue to improve. With global travel restrictions continuing to impede travel for many diamond tears, interest from buyers in Clara has continued to grow and we doubled our sales value transacted through the platform in Q1 year over year. We now have over 80 customers buying on the platform and we have completed just under $30 million of diamonds uh, transacted through the platform to date. As we stated at year end, our primary goal for Clara in 2021 is the onboarding of additional third-party supply, and we are making good progress with this objective and expect sales to, um, we expect to be reporting additional third-party volumes uh, in the coming weeks and months. So certainly stay tuned for that one. I'd like now to turn the presentation over to Zara, our CFO, to take us through some financial highlights for the quarter. Zara? Thanks very much, Ira. Good morning and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining the call today. As a reminder, our results are reported in US dollars, and I will be making some forward-looking statements in my remarks today. Let's begin with the financial highlights from the first quarter, which show a significant improvement from where we were a year ago. Total revenues of 53.1 million were recognized in Q1, an increase of over 50% from the same quarter last year. The average price per carat sold was $579, also a very significant increase from the $396 a carat achieved in the first quarter of 2020. Operating expenses increased about 14% from the same quarter last year due to a combination of higher power, labor, and insurance costs. The operating cost per ton of ore processed was $29.24, consistent with expectations and a decrease of about 7% compared to the first quarter in 2020. We are also tracking to guidance for this year. The company recorded net income of 3.4 million during the first quarter or earnings per share of one cent as compared to a net loss of 3.2 million last quarter, sorry, Q1 2020, or a loss per share of one cent. Adjusted EBITDA was 22.2 million as compared to adjusted EBITDA of 8.1 million. 
for the same period in 2020. Cash flow from operations was six, pence, six cents per share this quarter as compared to two cents a share uh, in Q1 2020. The increase in revenue this quarter had the most significant impact on cash flow from operations, adjusted EBITDA, and net income in the current quarter. We ended the quarter with $27.9 million in cash, $50 million drawn on the working capital facility, and net debt of $22.1 million. As Ira mentioned, earlier this week, we announced the extension of our $50 million working capital facility concurrently to an announcement that we've received credit-approved commitments for a senior-secured project financing debt package of up to $220 million from five international lenders for the underground expansion at Kuroi. We are targeting financial closing of the facilities mid-year. Closing remains subject to satisfactory completion of definitive documentation, as well as satisfaction of certain terms and conditions. Moving now to our operational highlights for the first quarter. Ore and waste mined of 1.1 million tons and 0.8 million tons respectively. 0.67 million tons of ore processed resulting in just over 80,000 carats recovered, achieving a recovered grade of 11.9 carats per 100 tons. 188 specials, which are diamonds greater than 10.8 carats, were recovered from direct milling during the first quarter, representing 6.8 weight percent of total direct milling recovered carats in line with resource expectations. Two diamonds were recovered greater than 300 carats in weight. The 341 and 378 carat diamonds announced in January, and two diamonds were, were recovered greater than 200 carats in weight. Unusually heavy rainfall in January and February resulted in a slight reworking of the mine plan as efforts were directed to benches in the north and central areas of the pit to create flexibility later this year in the southern part of the pit and to support dewatering activities. The additional ore mined from the north and center lobes in the first quarter was stockpiled to prioritize the higher value south lobe ore through the plant as originally planned. Despite the challenges from heavy rains early on, overall performance during the first quarter remains consistent with the strong operational results achieved over the past two years. Processing capacity returned to normal levels in the first quarter this year, as compared to a lower volume achieved last year in the same quarter due to a planned extended shutdown early last year for improvements to the XRT circuit in the process plant. Mining and processing results were on plan during the first quarter this year, and the operating cost per carat sold was $215 a carat, resulting in an operating margin of $364 a carat sold. This marks a return to higher levels of operating margin, which, apart from 2020, have been fairly consistent over Kuroi's operating history. Turning now to slide 13, this slide sets out how we sell our diamonds, which is through three different sales channels. Revenue from the sale of plus 10.8 carats sold through the HB supply agreements was 300, me, was $38 million in the first quarter, representing almost 72% of the revenue recognized in the quarter. As Ira discussed earlier, this segment of Kuroi's production accounts for the highest value diamonds 
produced from Kuroi. Shipments continue to be delivered to HB about twice a month, and with improvements made by HB in their manufacturing process, we are seeing a reduction in the length of time that it takes them to analyze and manufacture the less complicated plus 10.8 carat stones we've delivered. Variable consideration will continue to fluctuate from quarter to quarter, owing to the variability in our production profile and the time that it takes to polish large high value diamonds. As a result, the achieved average price of $3,554 a carat for the plus 10.8 carat stones sold does not include several large high value stones still in manufacturing. As a reminder, sales of the plus 10.8 carat stones delivered under the HB agreement in 2020 will continue to be realized in 2021. Although not quite at the levels observed in the fourth quarter of 2019, prices are continuing to improve as polished sales are realized. On Clara, six sales were held in the first quarter with $6 million in sales volumes transacted, double from the same quarter in 2020. We've observed strong price increases in each successive sale on Clara through the first quarter. The balance of our production is sold through a quarterly tender process. Due to the ongoing state of emergency in Botswana and pandemic-related travel restrictions, we anticipate continuing to hold these tenders in Antwerp rather than Hamroni for the majority of 2021. The diamonds sold through tender represent the largest volume but lowest value portion of our production. We achieved an average price of $186 a carat for stones less than 10.8 carats. Moving just briefly uh, to slide 14, uh, we've put in our 2021 guidance as a reminder. This was released earlier this year, and we are not making any changes to that guidance at this time. Uh, Wrapping up, um, we are pleased to report a strong start to 2021 with financial and operating results in line with expectations and significantly better than 2020. Furthermore, we've made excellent progress on the underground expansion at Kuroi. We now have credit approved commitments for a senior secured project financing debt package of up to 220 million from five international lenders with significant mine finance experience and anticipate financial close mid-year. Earlier this year, the government of Botswana granted a 25-year extension to the mining license at Kuroi, which covers both the remainder of the open pit operation and underground mining beyond the potential mine life of 2040. All of these positive developments come at a time when careful rough diamond supply management by the larger producers has helped to rebalance polished diamond inventories and stabilize the market overall and the diamond market is in a healthier position than it has been at any stage over the past five years. Thank you very much for listening into the call today. At this time, we would be pleased to take any questions. We'll turn it back to Pam now for questions. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be pulled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question.
Your first question comes from Raj Rui with BMO. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and, and good morning, uh, IRA and team. Um, just a um, couple of questions from me. Uh, first up on your uh, revenue guidance for 2021. Uh, if I'm not wrong, that includes uh, uh, some assumption for the uh, the top-up receipts that you get from the HB agreement. Now, given your experience over the last 10 months of operating under the HB agreement, uh, uh, would you say there's potential for upside to, to that guidance? Uh, I mean, this all um, assumes that everything else is the same. Sorry, do you want to take that one? And then I can jump in after, perhaps. Sure. Um, well, as when we developed our guidance last year for 2021, um, we were generally basing it on our rough diamond production. Um, we hadn't had enough time, I, I think, to really assess the results of um, the HB agreement. Um, so it, is, it really is based on um, our resource and, and what we expect to receive from rough diamond uh, sales. Um, it's a fairly conservative assessment. Um, so there, there's definitely potential for upside, but we, we think the rate, you'll see that the range is fairly large at 180 to 210 million. That's pretty consistent with previous years. Um, and so we're still comfortable that that's about the right place for our revenue to land up. Okay. Um, and the, my second question was on, with respect to timing for some of the higher value stones, I mean, you did mention that the Cetunia is expected by Q4. I just wanted to get a sense of the timing for some of the other stones that are still uh, in manufacturing. Uh, if you expect those proceeds this year or it's going to flow through into 2022? Iris, shall I answer that one as well? Uh, sure. I was just going to say, Raja, a lot of it has to do with the timing of when these stones are recovered. So under our uh, supply agreement with HB and the, and the extension that we've just entered into, there are definitive timelines uh, for different types of diamonds to basically be scanned and planned and ultimately polished. For very large, high-value diamonds like the Cetunia, there is a longer timeline. So it, it does depend on a, at what point that we, we recover those stones through the production cycle. And I think that our, our guidance also, you know, the, as Zara said, is, is broad because, as you know, we have um, a lot of our revenues tied up in a very small number of carats. Um, that on an annualized basis uh, are, are relatively predictable, but you know when we get them quarter to quarter is is less certain. Sorry, uh, okay, did you want to? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the um, thanks, Sarah. The larger, higher value stones definitely take longer um, to analyze, plan, and manufacture. I think right now we're we're seeing anywhere from probably four to six, maybe even eight months. Um, so what we have seen in the first quarter are really some of those stones that were delivered uh, mid-year last year to HB now working their way through. Uh, because we are delivering to HB on a regular basis, um, that, that should sort of even out over time. I think we, we were definitely in a, a ramp-up mode uh, for the last six months of 2020. And it seems to be evening out a little bit uh, as we go into 2021. Thank you. Okay. And then, uh, just if I may, on the on the trade receivables that increased to 23 million from uh, around 13 at the end of Q4, 
Um, should we expect this to be the normalized level or you expect that to decrease as, as the year progresses? I would expect that to decrease, um, that uh, it, it is a timing difference and there's a combination of a couple of high value stones um, in there, some top up payments um, and then shipments delivered uh, in March. So it, it really is a, a timing difference. All of the amounts uh, that were uh, receivable at March 31st have now been collected. So it, it was unusually high at the first quarter due to a couple of higher value stones. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you. And then one last question, if I may, Ira. Um, sure. On the, the situation in India, uh, uh, what are you uh, seeing in terms of the impact on uh, diamond pricing and uh, sales in Q2? And uh, how much are you exposed to to uh, uh, to India. I mean, you do have the the Clara and the HB plat uh, sales channel. So, is is a, a good portion of your revenue exposed, or it's it's uh, it's lower? You know what? A, a very small portion of our revenue, I would say, is exposed uh, by virtue okay. of the fact that most of the value is in our big stones, and they go through to HB, and HB is manufacturing all of those diamonds in Europe. Um, mm -hmm. So it does have the potential to impact some of our customers, certainly selling on Clara. And so we're watching that closely. But um, at the same time, we do have a broad customer base on Clara. It's not entirely reliant on on the manufacturing sector in India. So we're, we are not, you know, worried about it at this point. I think the other comment I would just make overall, um, as we saw with India, you know, in the first wave, I mean, they're incredibly resilient and, and determined. And although things are, are looking quite difficult right now, I think there has been uh, a certain amount of an anticipation, kind of particularly in the last few weeks. And I know these businesses are all, you know, taking strong steps to try and um, protect uh, their their businesses going forward through this, and you know we're really hopeful that these vaccines get rolled out quickly and we'll start to have a, a an, an impact there. Um, but overall, I think it's a watch and wait. I don't think it's 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 at the point yet where we've we've really um, you know we're highly concerned uh, for, for Lucara particularly, but overall, um, yes, we 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 do see potential impacts on the broader market. Okay, that's it from me. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Scott McDonald with Scotia Bank. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for the update and uh, congratulations on getting your credit approvals. Um, I just had a, a couple of questions about the, uh, the debt package, if I may. Um, just wondering if at, at this point you can give any kind of preliminary guidance on some of the, the key terms of a debt, like perhaps the cost of a debt and uh, any, any key covenants, if, if you have any visibility on a, what that could look like at this point. But, um Oh, yeah, thank you very much. Um, we're certainly excited um, to have reached this stage uh, with the banks that we are working with. Um, it is a bit too early to to comment on that. I think once we're um, at financial close, we'll be able to give more visibility to that. The, the terms and conditions, I think, are expected to be pretty standard for a facility like this. And um, we're, we'll be happy to give a bit more color um, closer to financial close. Thank you. Sure. Um, can you give any sense of, uh, in terms of the, the sort of underwritten case that the, the banks used, what, what sort of uh, 
revenue assumptions they had for for uh, the open pit for sort of 2022 to 2025 roughly is that sort of similar levels of revenue to, to 2021 your your 2021 guidance or I just trying to understand uh, what their sort of cash flow expectations are yeah I think the the open pit um, cash flows are based on uh, the feasibility study, actually, um, if we go back to that document, and that was that formed the basis for uh, the debt financial model that we're using. The banks will have applied their own um, assumptions um, and and conservative estimates to that, uh, but th the basis is what we had in our uh, feasibility study. Okay, and just to, just to confirm that uh, the assumption, all, all parties are assuming that. Uh, this the project will be financed by this debt package and operating cash flow, no other external financing. Is that correct? Uh, yes, the, um, the, there will be a reconciliation at the time we, we reach financial close um, to make sure that the assumptions are consistent. Uh, the, the debt package is at about the level where we had expected it to be when we announced the feasibility study. I think at the time we were looking at 150 to 200 million um, with the balance to come from operating cash flows. So um, we'll, we'll put a, a, a pin in the wall um, in about two months time, hopefully when we finalize um, all of the details around that package. Okay, terrific. Um, now, if I may just move on to the, um, the HB agreement, just to sort of follow on some of Roger's questions about the top up payment. Could you, um, give us a sense of what the original price was, or I guess what percentage of the original price um, do those top-up payments represent? So just, just for the stones where the, the polished stones have been actually sold, I'm just trying to, trying to understand how much the top-up payment was as a percentage of the overall sales price. Yeah, it's got- sold through. I, I, Sure, I'll take a stab at this, and I may ask ask others on the team here to jump in. But as you can imagine, uh, because diamonds, all of every diamond's unique, and so there is not kind of you know e e each diamond will ultimately get scanned and planned and polished and sold on uh, on a different kind of path, if you like. So not all of the top ups are comparable or similar. It really depends on um, what, uh, how complex the diamond is, for example, um, that is initially um, sold and planned. And what we're finding, which is really sort of interesting, um, is that, you know, we are using, or HB rather, is using state-of-the-art planning software. They will scan a diamond. They will identify what they believe will be the maximum polished outcome, and they will be making estimates on the quality of that final polished. And what we have seen is that that initial estimate can be conservative and that we we are experiencing some nice uplifts in terms of color and quality in the final product. Um, however, that, that upside is variable. So we're not at the point where we can give you a sort of a blanket statement that on our total production, the uplift is X. We are continuing to um, work stones through the process and gather all of that information. The great thing about 
our arrangement with HB is we have access to all of this information. So it provides us with, you know, detailed insight and what happens to each and every one of the stones that we are producing. And so I think as we uh, go through this process um, and, and, and it matures, we'll have a lot more insight that we can offer up in respect of the, you know, the average, um, you know, top-ups um, we're, we're seeing. Ultimately, as HB gets more experience um, with these stones, we would anticipate that that initial planned polish value will be less conservative, i.e. giving us more cash up front um, as they get more comfortable and confident in, in how our diamonds polish and, and the potential outcomes um, they are likely to experience. I don't know, John, do you want to add anything there? Um, no, thanks, Ira. I think that you provided a very good response. Okay, thank you. So uh, maybe just to ask this a slightly different way. What, what um, if you could sort of summarize, like rough, roughly, what period of of the of the rough sales have now been sold through? Like what what uh, what period of sales? Did this top-up payment largely relate to? Was it mainly just the sales that happened in in 2020, or did, did it also include some more recent sales? It's both, Scott. Um, so it includes, you know, as Zara mentioned in her remarks, um, we had some some large high-value diamonds recovered in 2020 that did take time to get through the manufacturing process. So we did include some of those, but there are also top-ups coming from more regular uh, type of production that was recovered during the quarter. So it, it really is kind of a combination. And as Zara explained, we do expect this to kind of even out uh, as we, as we you know, continue with sales through HB, particularly as they have ramped up with their own business capacity and are able to move, you know, more stones through the process um, on a more predictable schedule, which will help to even out um, that variable consideration. But it will continue to be um, naturally lumpy in response to some of the, the largest, highest value diamonds because it does take more time to plan these stones in order to maximize their value. Okay. So, so we shouldn't necessarily assume that the level of pop-ups you had in Q1 would continue each quarter. It's going to vary, I, I, I would understand. And, and maybe the Q1 was a little bit higher than what you normally expect. Is that fair to, fair to say? There might, um, might have been some catch-up to that. Well, it, it, some catch up for sure, but I think the other important um, change that we've made to the HB extension going out 24 months is that under the previous arrangement, we were paying um, fees and manufacturing costs up front. We're now paying those on the back end. So that will also help to ensure that we've got smoother cash flows and, and more cash coming in um, at that original uh, transfer uh, when, when the diamonds are originally sold and they, and they undergo their initial assessment of polished value by HB before they go into the manufacturing process. Okay, great. That's, that's helpful. Thank you. Um, and one last, hopefully quick one, if I may. The, um, just probably for Zara, 
Um, I just noticed for the last three quarters, the royalty expense on your income statement has been 11% of your of your revenue, rather than historically it's been pretty steady at, at 10%. Just wondering if that uh, is something you expect to continue or what's going on there. Maybe it's related to the HB agreement. Any color there would be helpful. It's related to the HB agreement. Um, we, under um, the terms of our mining license, we pay a royalty of 10% on diamond sales. And so with the um, additional revenue that's being generated from uh, the sale of polished, the, uh, the royalty ends up being slightly higher as a result. So it's, it's due to the HB agreement. Okay, so we should expect that to be a bit higher than 10% for the duration of the HB agreement? Yes, that's a fair assumption. Thank you. All right, that's it for me. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, Scott. Your next question comes from Andre Gavin. With, he's an investor. Please go ahead. Yeah, I was wondering if the, uh, we've received any money from the Louis Vuitton deal that's supposed to close this year and whether we're going to be paid this year or next year for it. Uh, as my, another one question is uh, the dividend. Are we going to get any dividends soon? Uh, third question is... Uh, hmm. <laughs> I forgot the third question, so I'll let it go for now. Thank you. Okay, well, I'll start with Louis Vuitton, and then I can turn it over to, to Zara to comment on the dividend. Um, our arrangement with Louis Vuitton um, is in respect of two diamonds. Um, the 1,758-carat Suello is, is one of the collaboration agreements, and the second one pertains to the 549-carat Setunia, which I spoke about in the presentation. With the Setunia, we do have a contractual arrangement with HB, whereby we will get paid for that film um, in the fourth quarter of 2021. Uh, on the Suello, uh, we are working with LV um, uh, on, a, on a number of fronts, but the idea is to turn that into uh, a bespoke collection um, exclusive to Louis Vuitton customers as well. That diamond, the, the plans for that diamond uh, going into COVID was uh, a kind of a world tour. Uh, coming back to Belgium with the idea of starting the manufacturing process late 2020. We necessarily delayed that, obviously, because we had a lot of travel restrictions in 2020. So that, um, that world tour was uh, postponed. It, it has now partially uh, been completed. That stone has done an extensive tour around Asia. And we will be um, discussing with our partners in the coming weeks kind of the next steps for the Suello um, in terms of, of manufacturing um, and, and creating that jewelry collection. So stay tuned on that one. But we are running six or so months behind on that. And one of the things about that diamond that we, we really um, like is that it, it is, it's a very unusual diamond. It's, um, it's coated in black. It's a bit of a mystery stone. And really, we won't understand the full potential of that diamond until we, we get into it. But in the interim, um, being able to you know, travel around the world with the second largest diamond ever re recovered in recorded history has been a great way to tell the story of Botswana. It's uh, the, the story of, of diamonds in Botswana in particular and the Karoi diamond mine. So we think it's, it, it really has a lot of value as an ambassador 
And um, so that's uh, been part of our strategy around the Suelo. Um, of course, importantly, when that diamond does get it polished, we've also um, secured the commitments of LV to um, basically donate 5% of all the retail proceeds from the sale of that collection towards our community projects in Botswana. And in terms of dividends, go ahead, Sarah. Sorry, Hara. Uh, with respect to the dividend, it was suspended in the fourth quarter of 2019 um, at the same time that we announced positive uh, results uh, for the feasibility study with respect to the underground expansion. Uh, we do expect that our excess cash flows uh, for the next few years uh, will be reinvested in the business. Uh, the capital cost for uh, the underground expansion is about 514 million. And so as we, we spoke about earlier, part of that capital cost will come from uh, the project finance debt that we're arranging, and then the balance is expected to come from uh, cash flow from operations. Thank you. Your next question comes from Paul Zeminski with PZDA. Please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Uh, congrats on the financing. Um, on Clara, I was hoping you could provide um, maybe some more color on why new participants are being waitlisted. These are buyers, I assume you're referring to? Yeah, Paul, that's, that's correct. We basically have more demand than supply right now, um, which is, you know, certainly a good position to be in, but, uh, you know, we, we really do uh, need more supply now to be able to fulfill that demand. So that's a, that's a key uh, objective and we have made good progress in the fourth quarter um, on, on that objective. So we'll, we're hoping to be able to say more about that in the coming weeks. I mean, on the third party supply, what is the biggest challenge of bringing on um, the additional third party supply? Is it more just negotiating details and contracts or is it infrastructure related? No, it's none of those things really, Scott. I think it's about the producers having had a very challenging year in 2020. And um, as, as, as you will well appreciate, particularly within our sort of peer group of, of smaller to mid-sized producers, and they're really getting back on their feet. And they have lots of restrictions and limitations in respect to their own um, uh, lending and borrowing um, structures that they've got in place. And, and so it's really about uh, being in a position where they have uh, the confidence to kind of, you know, try trial a new, a new sales strategy. So, you know, we're definitely getting there. Um, and, and, you know, the market's been strong. So it's been relatively easy to move diamonds through this period. So I think for a lot of these producers, they're just trying to get cash back on the, on the back seat and making a change at this point um, is, is something that um, is, is more, more difficult. But I think the feedback we're getting certainly remains very encouraging and we are advancing um, with a couple of producers um, certainly into, the, into a trial phase. So we are, we are making good progress, but I think for the smaller producers, it's just, it, it's a timing issue and you know getting back on their feet and then being in a position to um, explore the potential for 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 Clara you know further so um, 
you know, we, we will get there because I think what's really compelling is that we've been able to demonstrate um, through this period that we're actually achieving superior results on Clara when we compare against our tender results for certain goods where we have comparables, um, we are achieving higher prices on Clara. So that's uh, a certainly enticing. And we do see fellow producers now taking a closer look. And when you say there's a couple um, third-party suppliers that you're in kind of, I guess, later stage um, discussion with at this point, I mean, how many potential, uh, I, I guess, miners, um, you know, do, do you think would be interested um, in participating? I mean, is it, is it you know, closer to five or closer to 10 um, when we look like two, three years into the future? Oh, I, Scott, my view is this is the way of the future. I, you know, in our, in our business plan, we conservatively estimate, you know, that we could attract, you know, 10% of global supply, um, which is not a lot. And, you know, I think it's going to go well beyond that. The feedback that we're getting from all participants on the platform is that it just makes sense. This is all about encouraging, you know, an antiquated, um, you know, approach. It's all about modernizing the way we sell diamonds, and it really, it, you know, it hasn't changed in so long. And 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 it and it you know, change is hard. Um, but I think people are increasingly are open to um, embracing new technologies, and we think we'll, we'll we will definitely get there. And you know, in my view, it's it's really a matter of time, not a matter of if. So you know, when we think about where we're going with this, it's not really about three or five. I think more in terms of global supply, and I think 10% of global supply through Clara is conservative and that we can do much better than that. And I think all it's going to take is one, you know, uh, additional producer with, with, you know, decent volume through the platform to have a positive experience for us to, to get some of these other producers to, uh, to, to give it a try. Got it. And then just um, lastly, I mean, could you comment if the, the companies that you are for this along with our public or private companies? Um, we are under NDA, Scott, so I'm not at liberty to say who those companies are, but I can tell you they're both. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star 1. Your next question comes from Richard Hatch with Berenberg. Please go ahead. Thanks very much uh, for the call. Much appreciated. Um, just a, a few questions. Um, the first one's just on receivables, which I think um, some others have kind of talked about. But so receivables balance over the last couple of quarters has picked up by about $20 million, and I completely understand that's down to HB. Um, how should we think about sort of unwinding that? Um, over the, the sort of the next sort of year or two, can you just give us some guidance as to that, um, please? Thanks. Yeah, sure. certainly, Richard. I mean, I, I think as I um, in in response to one of the other questions, um, the receivable balance at March 31st is unusually high. Um, I would I, I don't expect it to remain at that level um, for the remainder of the year. Um, this I, I think as the um, as deliveries are evening out, as the top-up payments are evening out, uh, those balances will come down. I, I, because of the way, because we've changed the way we are selling 
diamonds through HB, um, and there there is a longer term between um, delivery and payment um, as compared to our other sales channels. There will always be some level of receivable at the quarter end where we where we wouldn't have had that uh, previously, but I don't expect it to be at the same level as it was at March 31st. As I mentioned, that those the majority of those um, receivables were collected. Um, after the quarter ends, so it was more of a timing difference. Okay, so are we, are we? I mean, it was it kind of built up by eight million dollars quarter on quarter. So, <clears throat> are we thinking sort of are you guiding to what like a eight ten million dollar unwind quarter on quarter or more or what's the kind of best way to think about it? I think that's probably a fair estimate to use. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, and then um, just a question on the grade processed. Um, kind of, uh, it was a bit weak uh, quarter on quarter. I think um, Q4 uh, the the process grade ran at 14.6 carats per hundred ton. Q1 ran at 11.9. Is there anything down to that? Was that a kind of a, a sequencing? Um, well, Richard, kind of point. I'll let John answer that, but Richard, uh, you know, it's, I think what you need to look at is what we achieved against the plan, and we're smack on the plan. As you know, the resource um, does vary um, from quarter to quarter as we're mining through different lobes, so it is always a blend. Uh, we're primarily in the south lobe now, but we do have a combination of the M and the E, so you know, we achieved um, exactly what we anticipated or expected to achieve with respect to grading carrots recovered. John, do you want to just add anything there? Um, yeah, I, that uh, response you gave Ira is spot on. I mean, it's the blend of, of ore, although we are in the south lobe, the, the MPKS has a, has a lower um, recoverable grade than the EMPKS, and in the first quarter, um, about 75% of the feed came from, in carrots, uh, came from the MPKS and 25 from the E, and that, that does drive the, the average recovered grade down. So if you compare it to Q1 of 2020, uh, it was about 60% M versus 40% E. So that, it, it's basically on the blend. And as Ira uh, correctly points out, it's more against the plan, and we are tracking well to the plan, and that 6.88% specials, given the proportion of the two rock types, it, it tells us that the MPKS is a bit outperforming our, our modeled um, SFD in that in, in the course end. Okay, understood, John. Thank thank you for the color, much appreciated. Um, and just on the um, the the 105 million dollars on the underground um, for the first year kind of spend, would you be able to give us any kind of sort of color on the sort of weighting of that and how it how you kind of spend it you know half on half is it back end weighted or front end weighted or fairly even weighted is there a kind of way to think about it um it's, it's more like obviously um we, we have spent during the first quarter and the numbers are in the, the reporting the as the activity ramps up so does the the spend so it's it's relatively evenly distributed through um, the the third and fourth quarters is where the, the bulk of the money will be spent. It starts to ramp up a little bit through 
through Q2 here, but once um, we get into the mobilization of the uh, of the crews that'll do the the pre-sinking of the shafts, then obviously our our, our spend will will increase. But most of it's weighted into the third and fourth quarters. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us today for our quarterly update. We appreciate your time and we look forward to speaking with you next quarter. Thanks very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.